Curtis Lewa. Curtis Lewa. Rip and Reed. Check this out. This is the Rip and Reed featuring Curtis Lewa. Talking about now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. This is the Rip and Reed. Yeah. I'm a big Plumes of smoke are in the air and have been there for quite some time. People smoking their splits, their blunts, their vapes. It's everywhere in the city, all five boroughs, no matter where you go. Down in the subways and the parks, in the vestibules and foyers of Brooklyn uh, and the Bronx and Manhattan and Staten Island and Queens. It's like you need a hazmat suit. You get a secondary high from all the reefer that's being smoked. And uh, remember, it's all illegal, right? Where'd you get it from? It had to be illegal. Supposedly, even though the recreational use of uh, marijuana is now legal, you're not permitted to sell marijuana. Well, then how the hell are people uh, getting their marijuana? Do they have hydroponics? If you go into the Bushmans, uh, basements of Bushwick, the 83rd Precinct near Knickerbocker Park, are they growing uh, homegrown Maui Waui, Hindu Kush? Of course not. Rare cases. But I had to have a big belly laugh yesterday as once again the mayor with no plan, Eric Adams, who has done nothing about all the pop-up shops, the reefer that is being sold illegally all over the five boroughs, has done nothing about the nickel and dime dealers who are everywhere as they set up their little uh, uh, their little cardboard boxes and just deal openly, in addition to dealing shrooms and powder cocaine. Uh, and then naturally, um, the weed wagons that are everywhere. I saw a weed wagon the other day that even had an ATM machine on the back. Weed World, right? Had an ATM machine on the back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they're only selling edibles. You know, CBD, it's not THC. Let me break this down for you. Because I know for a lot of you, uh, you remember when you were growing up, um, 1969, half a million strong, heading up to Woodstock, New York State Thruway. Uh, You were smoking ragweed, hate Ashbury. Ragweed, sometimes you get a buzz, other times you wouldn't get a buzz. Now, obviously, the gradations uh, are a lot stronger. They're a lot better in many, many different ways. But, man, it's almost like I'm dealing with reefer madness all over again. And I want to point out the sanctimonious hypocrites who have been on the news because they make it seem like, oh, my God, we got to stop these pop-up shops. They're everywhere, and they are. They're hundreds. There's thousands of places that you can purchase uh, illegal marijuana in the city of New York, never mind outside of New York in the tri-state area. Look, Jersey has its act down. Uh, They legalized uh, marijuana for recreational use a little before New York City. And once again, just like with the no-cash bail situation, Jersey does it better. We're omnipotent. We're pretentious here in New York. We think we do it better. 
our rules were that the way you get a legal license to sell it out of a storefront is you had to have been busted years ago for selling weight. Not just nickel and dime bags of pot, but weight. And now finally, we're going to get the first store that's opening on 125th Street across from the Apollo Theater. And that is a huge mistake because all the other local weed dealers are going to set up shop in proximity to that weed shop. And they're going to charge less money, totally less money. They're going to offer credit. And, oh, they're going to let you sample the product. They're going to let you do pop-up pass with a little pipe right outside in the street. Meantime, you go into the weed shop, the first legal weed shop in New York City. And they're not permitted to do any of that. They're going to tax you. The tax is way too high uh, so that the state and the city will get uh, the dollars that they want. They're not going to let you test the product. And uh, quite frankly, because of the tax, you're going to be paying a hell of a lot more. Now, in order to put fear, fright, hysteria, and hype into everyone, that's why I say to me, it's almost like it's become uh, a reefer madness again. They're talking about how recently they went out and they did a survey that was released on December 1st, conducted by the New York Medical Marijuana Cannabis Industry Association. Oh, yeah, that's a real independent group. It's going to affect their sales. So they're saying, oh, we tested the illegal marijuana that's being sold. It has E. coli, salmonella. In fact, if you go puff up past Lou with the illegal marijuana, you will end up getting salmonella, which gives you diarrhea, fever, stomach cramps. It's right out of reefer madness. There are heavy metals in there. There are pesticides, including in the flour and edible products. And I'm saying to myself, what? And then they're talking about how weed being sold illegally is laced with fentanyl. It's like angel dust. Oh, yeah, K2. These people have no idea what the hell they're talking about. Absolutely no idea what they're talking about. Oh, yeah, and when you buy uh, illegal pot on the streets or in these pop-up stores or from these weed wagons, there is more THC than advertised. That's going to cause more people to buy it. Yeah, I want more THC. And by the way, you know where this product comes from? It's West Coast pot. It's not our pot. It's West Coast pot. Probably comes from the Emerald Triangle in Northern California. You know, Humboldt County, Trinity County, Mendocino County, in the Federal Forest. Yeah, it's probably tainted with heavy metals and pesticides. Such nonsense. And then listen to the mayor yesterday. Again, I'm going to give you the pivot and shift, which is nothing more than a flip-flop. I'm going to play what the mayor said yesterday, this sanctimonious hypocrite. And then I'll play you what he said on the very day that he beat me to become mayor of the city of New York. Uh, Today we're saying to those who believe that this is going to become the wild, wild west of cannabis sale, we are saying clearly and loudly, no, it is not. Uh, we are going to stake, take steps towards stopping uh, the uh, unlicensed areas, stores that sell can- cannabis and illegal products throughout our city. They're popping up a lot. And over the uh, course of two weeks, we had a joint emergency task force uh, crackdown on unlic- unlicensed establishments and sell that are selling illegal cannabis, tobacco, and vaping products. I just really want to take my hat off to the task force. <laughs> Where? Where? I'm in the Upper West Side. There are, there are weed shops everywhere, pop-up stores. And obviously, 
There are landlords who have had empty space ever since the lockdown and pandemic of March of 2020. Man, they'll rent to anybody. And, you know, it's like a a month-to-month lease, and it's paid all in cash. What the hell is he talking about? Oh, the guy who's going to lead this effort? (laughs) You probably never heard of him. Anthony Miranda. He's the sheriff of New York City. Now, a lot of you live in areas in the tri-state area where a sheriff has multiple duties, they transport prisoners. Sometimes they deal with jails, courthouses. No, 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 no. That's a law enforcement agency. The sheriff of New York is a revenue agent alone. They are not a law enforcement agency. They only have 150 deputy sheriffs. And the guy in charge of this is Anthony Miranda. Now, listen to him talk because I'm going to tell you a little bit of his background afterwards as to why this is not going to work. So the goal is enforcement. The goal is education. We're going to educate them about the process, making sure they go to NYC Cannabis to be able to qualify for the program. We're going to seize the products that we find illegally, and then we're going to move to uh, for, to close the locations down at the same time. What do they do with the products that they seize illegally? Let me tell you about Anthony Miranda. He's the very best friend of State Senator Hiram Montserrat, former State Senator, this guy who assaulted his girlfriend, slid it, slid her right in the face, and then did time for federal corruption, stealing from a nonprofit that he had set up. And this is his boy, Anthony Miranda. And, by the way, Eric Adams' boy. Uh, I don't trust this guy, Anthony Miranda. Sorry. Uh, When they do seize pot, I want to know where it goes. There should be video cameras uh, totally in terms of where it is disposed, where it is destroyed. I don't trust this guy. And, by the way, they're not cops. You see, cops are not going to be busting these weed shops or weed wagons or guys selling nickel or dime bags on the corner in addition to the powder cocaine and the shrooms they're selling because they've been told you can't do that. And unless they go to Albany, oh, I read already, you're going to go to Albany again, Eric Adams, swag a man with no plan and get pimp splat back? You couldn't get the no cash bail dealt with with your friends up in Albany. No, 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 they told you go back to New York City, mind your own business. And they'll probably tell you exactly the same thing here. Now, remember the weed wagons, uh, right, right? Remember weed wagons everywhere? They took in those weed wagons. They're now stored in a storage facility in Secaucus. The guy, this guy named Mohammed, paid about $670,000 in parking fines. He paid it off. And guess what? He's got the Weed World store on 35th Street and 7th Avenue. He's got a Weed World store open right in Times Square. I mean, come on, it's right there, guys. You say you're going to padlock it? You say you're going to put them out of business? What are you waiting for? They're dealing out of tattoo parties, parlors. They're dealing out of beauty parlors. They're dealing out of hairstylers. There's candies. There are elixirs made with psychedelic shrooms. They have multiple products. And remember, when Eric Adams beat me that very next night, who did he go on with? Stephen Colbert at the Ed Sullivan Theater, and he announced to the nation that, hey, You want pot? Come to New York City. One of my best gifts, as you know, marijuana is legal. I have raw. I did not know. I have raw. I am not aware, Mr. Mayor. I'm not into that scene. I have bamboo. Oh, it's big. And I can't give you this gift. I'll give it to you later, you know. Laughing like a little kid in high school, right? I got to join here. (laughs) Now, the same guy's going to be cracking down. 
Well, a lot of these illegal shops, these pop-up shops, these weed wagons, these guys that are dealing marijuana, what they do is they say, look, we're giving it as a donation. If uh, Lou comes in and he buys a book, uh, you know, uh, like Hipsters and Millennials, what, um, uh, any catches, uh, I forget that name of it. And the rye of a catcher, the catcher and a rye. I, I got it close. I give you the free pot. In fact, they've set up social clubs, cannabis clubs, with concierge service. And they'll acquire your pot for you. And according to the law, that's all legal. In fact, that private club that uh, Eric Adams, Swagger Man with No Plan, goes to uh, in uh, downtown Manhattan, uh, Club Zero Bond, how do you know they're not dealing it there? It's a private club. Whatever happens in a private club stays in a private club. In fact, how do you know they haven't registered as a social club, a cannabis club, with concierge service, which will acquire your pot, and then you go up there and you do pub, pub, pass. And then recently, the sanctimonious hypocrite, this mayor, who is like flip-flopping, he calls it pivot and shift. Listen to him as he as he's having a good old time in Times Square, as he smells what all of us smell, the purple haze that hangs over our city from everybody doing puff, puff, pass on spliffs, blunts, joints, and, of course, vapes. One thing for sure, one law that was passed is clearly being practiced right now because I smell some weed. Someone is smoking. <laughs> Someone is smoking. <laughs> so you, you start, you're going from a, a mayor who's laughing about this. Suddenly we're supposed to take him seriously that he's going to crack down on illegal NYC weed shops. Come on. Come on. You got all these smoke shops all over the city, all the empty space that they've rented out. You've told them that they're not going to get a license to deal legal marijuana. And they decided they were going to jump the queue and they're daring you to do something about it. And your chef, uh, excuse me, your sheriff, Anthony Miranda, is not necessarily the kind of guy that I would trust with this assignment or any assignment. There's only 150 deputies, deputy sheriffs. They're not law enforcement. What should be, if you were really serious about this in every precinct, you would have a special unit of police officers who would go and they would check to see uh, what kind of marijuana you're dealing. Obviously, at this point, it's all illegal except for that one shop that will probably open up right after January 1st across from the Apollo Theater. And they would padlock it and shut it down and seize all the product. But no. They won't let the cops do that. They say, no, 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 this is not a law enforcement issue. They don't want the cops doing anything. Yeah, yeah, cops, we don't want you dealing with the emotionally disturbed, the homeless. We don't want you dealing with pot issues. We're going to deal with it ourselves. Look at the freaking mess we've been left with. It's a city of one big purple haze. Talking about this is the Riffin' Reed featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. How quickly they forget. Earlier today, I was a guest, as I am, uh, Mondays at 7.05 in the morning, and then uh, Fridays when I, the closer, I come in and close it up for the week, uh, 7.05 Friday mornings. 
with Sid Rosenberg and what he calls Sid Rosenberg and Friends. And he certainly had a lot of friends there. But he had a fiend, Scarmucci. We'll get to that later. The mooch. You know what mooch means. I take something from you and I never pay you back. That guy is a mooch. We'll get to that momentarily. And then a foe. And I'm the only foe. And I go at all of his friends. All of his friends. But I am shocked that on this day of infamy, not even a mention of a man who uh, in just a few months in the spring will be appearing as a star in the movie Gemini Lounge. Yeah, it'll be coming to a big screen near you, then DVD, then pay-per-view, whatever you call it. You're going to see our own Sid Rosenberg there. He's not even playing... Chris Mad Dog Rosenberg, the Jewish guy. Now that he's playing that Italian guy, but I'll get to that momentarily. First, uh, Lou, let's get to the sign-off uh, that Sid had in terms of his friends today that he had on air and how he didn't even make the connection is beyond me. Mad Dog Russo, little Stevie and the Mooch. Sounds like members of the Gambino crime family. Brilliant radio. Sounds like members of the Gambino crime family, doesn't it, right? Certainly does. They got uh, Scarmucci, could have been running a pump and dump operation for penny stocks. You got Schmata Boy, Stevie Van Zant, and of course you got, uh, what's that, Mad Dog Russo. Uh, I'll deal with those later on in the Sid rap. You guys are going to regret ever delegating to me to do the rap. Of the Sid Rosenberg and Friends, Fiends, and Foe Show, Monday through Fridays. But let me let me tell you about why this is a significant day in history. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was, I think, close to 5 o'clock, 1985. And a Lincoln pulls up. And in that Lincoln is Pauli Castellano, a man I'll tell you momentarily why I hated, I loathed, I despised. And his bodyguard, Tommy Bellotti. And they were going inside a Sparks Steakhouse on 46th Street to have a meal. I think they were supposed to sit down with Della Croach. Uh, that was the setup uh, through the Gotties. And you see, in this particular case, you got to understand that John Gotti Sr. was just an acting capo. As was Sammy the Bull Gravano. These guys weren't even capos. And they knew that Paulie Castellano had heard that uh, they were dealing drugs. Out out at 101st Avenue, um, Ozone Park, at the Bergen Hunt Fish and Shoot Human Beings Club, and that they were dealing in weight, heroin. Gene Gotti, the brother, uh, John Gotti Sr., uh, all the Gottis, and especially Angelo Quack Quack Ruggiero, who couldn't keep his mouth shut like a, like a little female Yenta on the phone, giving it all away. As the FBI at that time, uh, FBI stood for Forever Busting Italians, was recording all of that. And, I mean, they were dealing weight. Just heroin, heroin. And notice, uh, where were they uh, selling it mostly? Across the board, across the conduit, Linda Boulevard in East New York, Brownsville, uh, to the blacks. Although, eventually, a lot of their own peeps uh, on the Howard Beach side, Ozone Beach, uh, Ozone Park side, and other communities were becoming dope fiends, too. But that was always the intent. Feed it to the blacks, and yet you have uh, you have these uh, degenerate hip-hop monsters naming themselves after the Gaudis. 
I, uh, you say to yourself, how the hell could you do that? Well, then again, you don't have any self-esteem. Uh, you worship the very people that would drop the N-bomb on you, call you all kinds of names, and then put heroin in your veins and profit off of that. But I digress. So in that area of uh, Sparks, there were a total of uh, eight guys in trench coats and Russian fur hats. Gotti Sr. and uh, Sammy the Bull were in a car, and they were waiting there patiently when they saw the Lincoln uh, pull past them with uh, Paulie Castellano and Tommy Bellotti. And then when they got out of the car, they came out blazing, these guys. First, it was John Carniglia. I know this guy and his brother, Charlie. They had a chop shop, junkyard on Fountain Avenue in East New York. I hated these two. And he came in with a headshot right at um, right at Paulie Castellano, and he put a few more bullets into Tommy Bellotti. They were both out, and it was Salvatore Scala, Eddie Lino, Dominic Pizarro, Angelo Quacquacquagirio and Tony Rampino. And they filled these two guys full of lead, and then they fled. And then John Gotti Sr. and Sammy the Bull Gravano slowly passed the carnage. And they said, uh, Sammy the Bull said, yeah, they're dead. They're dead. They're not coming back. They're gone. So they went over, and they uh, had a sit-down at the Lindenwood Diner, which was uh, wired up like a Christmas tree by the feds. And they were discussing how the hell are we going to tell the other, the other families of organized crime that we took out the head of all organized crime. How are we going to tell the commission? And so they came up with some cockamamie story. And almost every group believed them. The Mananos, they say, hey, it's conceivable. The Columbos, yeah, it's conceivable. But the Lucchese's were doubtful and the Genovese led by... <laughs> Vinny, the chin gigante, said, no way, man. We're going to whack these guys. And then in April of 1986, just five months later, Frankie DeChico, main man for John Gotti Sr., is in a car, he's driving to a meeting, a sit-down that was set up, and they think that John Gotti Sr. is in the car. And what they had done is use Victor Musso and Anthony Gaspipe Queso to put an IED right underneath the car. And then at that point in Dyker Heights, they blew that car to smithereens, although they didn't realize that John Gotti Sr. was not in that vehicle. But Frankie DeChico, they picked him up with uh, with uh, little, little tweezers. That's all that was left of him. And that was it. And then all of a sudden, they said, one for one. We got Paulie Castellano, right? The guy that Gambino said, and you got Frankie DiCicco, and let's end it now because we're making too much money. By the way, let me tell you about Paulie Castellano. Used to have a butcher shop on 92nd Street and Avenue, Ellen Canarsie, during the Depression. My mother had rheumatic fever, Francesca. The 13th, the last drop. Of the family of Fidel and Nicoletta Bianchino, my grandfather, who could not read and write, he hated the black hand, La Cosa Nostra, the mafia. My uncle Steve, who was the only man working at that time, would go all the way to the breweries in Patterson, New Jersey, come all the way back through the Hudson tubes. And he went to Paulie Castellano and he said, As my niece, she's got rheumatic fever. The only cure at that time was you had to have bone marrow soup. 
the bone marrow from the bones that they would put in the barrels in the back that they would sell to the munitions plant. They would make gunpowder out of that. And Paulie Castellano said, F you, get out of this shop. I'm not selling no bones to you. Why should I sell to you? And at that moment, my grandfather, Fidel Bianchino, said, this guy's a sfacim, a schifosa. He should die and burn in hell. So when I heard about this, outside of Sparks, I was applauding. Yeah, they got Paulie Castellano. The curse of Fidel Bianchino has been realized. Little did I realize that it would come back to haunt me, uh, and yep. Then the guy tried to whack me, and you know the rest of that story, right? June 19th, 1992. But let me prepare my very dear friend, Sid Rosenberg. Uh, he will be in this huge unveiling of a major motion picture film. I believe it's coming out in March or April. I don't know how you guys are going to deal with him, Lou. Uh, Macedonia Phil, you're going to need a crane to get him in and out of the studios here. He's going to be a legitimate movie star. And he's going to be appearing in what they call the Gemini Lounge. Now, most of you probably say, well, what is that? Oh, I grew up in the shadow of the Gemini Lounge. In fact, the Gemini twins were Joseph, Joseph Testa. And Anthony Centaur, I taught them stickball and touch football in the streets until all of a sudden they hooked up with Roy DeMeo and the Killing Machine. We talked about selling pot before. He was uh, Chris Rosenberg, who I thought that our own Sid Rosenberg would play the part of because he's a Jew. But, you know, Sid, uh, if he could do anything again, he'd be born again, and he'd, he would not want to be a Jew. He'd want to be a Supreme Cuisine. So Chris Rosenberg is selling pot, nickel and dime bags outside of, uh, I think it was like 1976, 77, outside of South Shore High School, outside of the Mobile Gas Station. And who spots him but this degenerate psycho boy, Roy DeMeo, who graduated Madison High School. And he says, hey, kid, you know, I'm going to train you. I'm going to teach you. Well, I sell nickel and dime uh, bags, man. You could be... You could be going out at night, stealing cars for the parts, bringing them to the chop shops on Avenue D, and you could be making mad money. And then all of a sudden, Chris Rosenberg went out and recruited Joseph and Patty Testa, Anthony Centaur. And let me tell you something. This was a killing crew that killed maybe 200 people in that Gemini Lounge. I wonder if they're going to have Sid Rosenberg featured when they would gut out the guys who would come in and have a few uh, Hennessy, you know, a few Jameson, they'd shoot them in the back of the head, they'd drag them upstairs, they'd put them in the bathroom, hang them upside down, bleed them out, and you hey, hey, Macedonia Phil, they go and they have a 10-course meal. And then all of a sudden they say, it's time to go back to work, and they'd start chopping them up, put them in glad bags, and bring them to the Fresh Kills landfill and just dump them in there. Oh, and that went on and on and on until finally Paulie Castellano said, hey, this Roy DeMail, you know, he's not hes not a good one. He's done us wrong. He's got to, you got to take him out. He's friends with Jimmy Coonan. He made peace with the Westies. He's getting a piece of the action. He's not kicking it up to me in the White House and Toad Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He shot and killed Chris Rosenberg. It was like a son to him because he had created the Cuban crisis. But now you got to whack them. And so, you know who whacked them? The Gemini twins. The guys who were hanging out with them. 
Joseph and Anthony Centaur. Oh, man. I can't believe this. They're doing like triple life without parole. You know, from time to time, Lou, they send me letters. You think you could go before the parole board? You taught us stickball. You taught us uh, touch football, right? You taught us how to fight right there on 89th and J. I don't even recognize these guys uh, any longer. Anthony Sento is hanging out with Carmine the Snake Persico out there in Lompoc, what they call La Cousin Ostra Division. I am shocked that Sid Rosenberg didn't mention any of that earlier today on the Sid Rosenberg Friends, Fiends, Scarmucci, and Foe Show, starring yours truly, Curtis Sliwa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Sliwa. Curtis doesn't know about you, but he rips and reads. This is the Rip and Read. Spectacular! Now here's the Sid Wrap-Up. Boy! Wait a second, lower that a little bit, Lou. Keep the music going below. Did Sid call me a goy? Did he call me a goy? How do you like that? I'm on with him 7.05 in the morning Friday. I close out the week. If you're a Met fan, consider me Wagner coming out of the bullpen or a Yankee fan, Mariano, because this were their theme songs, right? But I could have swore he called me a goy there, right? After I finally praised him for acting and talking like one tough Jew because on Monday he was following his homie Michael Rappaport who lives on 70th in New York and was telling Sid, oh, you can't refer to yourself any longer as one tough Jew. We're Schmendricks, we're Pishers, we're, oh, get out of here. Finally, finally, he grew a pair this morning. But this is how he described his program this morning. Mad Dog, Brusso, Little Stevie, and the Mooch. Sounds like members of the Gambino crime family. Brilliant radio. Especially uh, Scarmucci, uh, Mooch. You know what a Mooch is. You know what a Mooch is, uh, Macedonian Phil. You probably have no idea. That means they take something and they ain't going to give it back to you. They're a Moocher. So I want you to hear this guy because he's so full of bull feathers. This guy is like, I mean perpetually lying. And yet Sid gives him a pass. Why? Because he's a Sid Rosenberg friend. Listen to what he said earlier today about his political affiliation, Scarmucci. Uh, I've been a lifelong Republican. I was at the Army-Navy game uh, last weekend. I love my country, and I, I am a, frankly, conservative Republican. What does that have to do with you being a lifelong Republican? I was at the Army-Navy game in Philadelphia, you sanctimonious hypocrite. You donated to Hillary and Obama. You actually said that you voted. You voted for Obama and Bill Clinton. You wrote that back in 2011. What do you mean you're a lifetime Republican? And then you attacked Trump's border wall in 2015. You said walls don't work. Never have, never will. And then in 2015, you called Trump a hack politician whose rhetoric is anti-American and very divisive. Does that sound like a lifetime Republican to you? But just because Trump, you said something nice to Trump, he said, how would you like to be my communications director? At last, all of five seconds, you sanctimonious hypocrite. And then he's still pumping the cryptocurrency Ponzi scheme. 
if you and I were in an elevator, we were going down together, I had explained the blockchain to you, I would say this is a delayering mechanism, Sid. Uh, someday we're going to go into the restaurant, the Hunt and Fish Club, and we're going to pay uh, with our telephones. Uh, I'm going to wire a stable coin of U.S. dollars or a Bitcoin or something to the waiter, and I'm going to bypass American Express. <laughs> this is the guy who was the best friend uh, of uh, Adam Bankman Freed. Right, FTX boy, right? And he's, he's still promoting blockchain, blockchain criminality, Bitcoin bandits. He's a cryptocurrency Ponzi schemer, Scarmucci. And he's still, he's got his beak in the trough. In the meantime, what is Sid Doe? He's my friend. I'm going to let him say whatever he wants. And then there was Schmata boy, Stevie Van Sant, right? Of the E Street Band uh, of... Uh, <laughs> oh God, the Sopranos, and then they were talking about him playing a, a mobster in Norway. I forget what Netflix thing. He was. They were, oh man, yeah, oh, I'm gonna watch that. Right? Listen to what this guy had to say, and Sid remained silent. It is unimaginable. Listen, my problem with society is we're not dealing with the fact that you know why do we have black neighborhoods? Okay. That 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 you know that 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 should be the first discussion. Okay, what 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 caused society to have black neighborhoods? I mean, the first you know, the biggest scam ever perpetrated on the black population was telling the black population that black neighborhoods was their idea. You know, the the black the, the hood. You know, the, the the black community. You know, it's not their idea. We shouldn't have black neighborhood. When, when are we going to invite black people to join the rest of us in America? That's what I want to know. Uh, where does Stevie Van Zandt live? Does he choose to live in Newark? Of course not. I don't know which 1% community he lives in in New Jersey. But I guarantee you can probably count the number of African Americans on one hand. But is he crazy? I mean... Hey, do as I say, but not as I do. Hey, we should be living side by side with black people, but I choose not to. I live in a 1% community like my very dear friend Bruce Springsteen, working class hero not from Freehold, who became a 1%er in Rumson and then wrote off his property taxes by claiming he was farmer Bruce Springsteen. I don't know if it was homegrown. How many black people live in Rumson? Hey, you can count them on one hand. Oh, it's Stevie Van Zandt. Uh, and by the way, uh, the reason that obviously Sid Rosenberg couldn't respond is he just moved out to the Rockaways. I'm not talking far Rockaway where there are a lot of black people. I'm talking uh, Bell Harbor, Neponset, that area of the Rockaways going towards Breezy Point. Not that many black people out there. Well, how ridiculous. Well, why not set the example? Hey, Schmatter boy, Stevie Van Zandt, you want to... You want to move into a black neighborhood? It's like Cory Booker, a black guy who claims he lives in Newark, and if you pass his townhouse, he's never there. He's never there. Spends more time in New York City getting wine, dined in pocket line, and standing up for Bobby Menendez, his crooked colleague in the Senate, and anyone else uh, for a price. And then he had this to say. He's, he's going to appear at the gathering of the Detectives, Detectives Endowment Association. They have it every year for the widows and orphans and other family members. That's a good, good charity. Sid is going to be joining him on Tuesday night. And then listen to who they're honoring. Listen. And we're honoring uh, uh, Frank Toronto, 
who uh, most people know uh, as the chief of staff of Mayor Adams and uh, uh, wonderful man. First of all, Schmanta boy, it's Frank Caron. You know nothing about Frank Caron. I know him. He's a crook right down to the marrow of his bone. And he's out as the uh, uh, chief of staff on January 1st. He has pending investigations, implicated uh, involvement in insurance fraud, medical supply fraud. Uh, you look at the article, Stevie Van Sant, uh, Frank Caron and felons. Come on. Do your homework. And by the way, uh, Schmanta boy. Move to a black neighborhood with Bruce Springsteen. Since you so desperately want to live with black people, set the example so that the rest of us McWhitey Whiteys can follow.